0: This is the Ultra Running History Podcast, and I'm your host, Davey Crockett. (laughs) Hey, what's so funny? Do I have something on my face? Did I forget my pants?
1: funny is gonna happen
0: on this show did something funny happen yeah you'd never know it (laughs) very funny this is episode nine in this episode i will give a history of the bizarre and twisted walkathons of the 1930s that caused a national uproar making people despise multi-day endurance events yes walk till you drop Yes, it was really weird stuff. That was the subject of the 1969 movie with Jane Fonda called They Shoot Horses, Don't They? That's the only reason you got, kid. They shoot horses, don't they? The walkathons that had their heyday in the 1930s were brutal endurance events. These were not ultra-running events, but were rather twisted walking events, if they could even be called walking. Walkathons were mostly a crazy test of enduring sleep deprivation. They had a negative impact on the public's perception of true extreme endurance sports such as ultra running in the minds of Americans for future decades. The walkathon was believed to be invented in America in 1913 at Terre Haute, Indiana. Achieving miles was not the objective. The goal for the walkathon was to survive for weeks and to be the last one standing. The walkathons were similar to the more despised dance marathons of the 1920s. Both involved couples. The difference was that the walkathon contestants walked instead of danced. Because the name referred to walking, they didn't carry the stigma of that time against dancing in many areas of the country. These contests were held in halls. Playhouses, theaters, fairgrounds, and tents where participants walked nearly non-stop for days, weeks, and even months.
1: Yowza, yowza, yowza! Welcome to the Dance of it's Destiny, ladies and gentlemen! Around and around and around we go, and we're only beginning, folks! Only beginning! On and on and on, and when will it stop? When will it end? When? Only when the last two of these wonderful, starry-eyed kids are left. Only when the last two dancers stagger and sway, stumble and swoon across the sea of defeat and despair to victory. One couple and only one will waltz out of here over broken bodies and broken dreams carrying the grand prize of 1,500 silver dollars.
0: Most walkers were quite young, and they shuffled along with the hope of obtaining large prize money. Walkathons became big business because they attracted a huge number of spectators who were thrilled to witness suffering and to cheer their favorite couple. Thousands and even tens of thousands of curious onlookers would pay 25 to 50 cents to watch the carnage as long as they pleased. Eventually, walkathons became riddled with corruption, becoming staged spectator events rather than competitions. Rules varied and could change midstream. In order to have an event last for weeks, rests were given each hour, usually 15 minutes after each hour of walking. Couples walked together and could hold each other up when things got rough. One veteran contestant would hold his partner up for four hours while she slept on her feet. When rest periods came, they gained the skill of being able to fall asleep within 10 seconds.
1: Now we're going to run it as fair as human nature allows. So in one of the judge's rules, that's it. No appeals. When your partner is ruled out, you can solo for 24 hours. If you match up with another solo, fair enough. Otherwise, that's it.
0: To make things more challenging and exciting for the spectators, they included a feature to the walkathon a daily one-hour derby that spiced things up. In the evenings, a derby would be used to thrill the spectators and further torture the walkers even more. The sprint derby was popular, which required the walking couple to cover a certain number of laps in a given time. An observer described that during these derbies, the bleachers and aisles were packed. The contestants were tense as the whistles of the judges shrilled and the audience shouted, stamped, and screamed.
1: And now, now you're going to see it, the, answer, the Derby, the supreme, the supreme test of energy and endurance, ten solid wrenching minutes of wreck and ruin,
0: the derby! The walk staff included doctors, nurses, judges, and a master of ceremonies. The physician examined the participants daily and disqualified anyone who was not in good health. The floor judges disqualified anyone who stopped walking, left the floor without permission, or fell to the floor. As the days would go on and on, and in no sight, Promoters wanting to wrap things up and move on to the next city would change the rules, making walking periods longer or resting periods shorter. Promoters would use the intense derby periods to wear down the contestants. A walkathon thon in Austin, Texas forced the walkers to sprint for two hours until a doctor put a stop to it.
1: Everyone wins in this race except the last three couples. The supreme test of energy and endurance. If one goes down, they have 10 seconds, and 10 seconds only to get up, and they must hear and tone. Hold your hands, folks. Here come the leaders, Four judges. Keep your eyes on the last three couples, because the last three couples will...
0: They next tried to sleep out the group. Contestants were tied together five feet apart and not allowed to hold each other up. The lights over the floor were turned out, and the band played lullabies. The walkers could only pull on the rope to try to keep their partner from falling asleep. These were called zombie treadmills. Walkathons were huge spectator events, attended sometimes by up to 25,000 people in a week. The biggest crowds usually attended from 7 to 10 p.m. when the biggest entertainment took place and also to witness the punishing derbies. A news reporter shared his first-time observations. Was it fun? Well, it seemed to be fun for the crowd. Judging by the laughing and the kidding that was going on, this drab spectacle is drawing capacity crowds every evening, a mile away. The theaters, putting on a really good show, are crying for business and crying alone and unheeded with only a handful of customers. The walkathon contestants, like the Great Depression, was about enduring. People went to see someone worse off than themselves. Another person observed You know, human beings subconsciously like to see pain inflicted in others. They like to see someone or something go and go even in the greatest agony until it drops the walkathon has the same audience psychology as a prize fight or a bullfight in those days walkathons filled a craving for a reality show that was similar to those that can be found on tv today like alone naked and afraid or survivor a spectator described his experience as a first timer at a walkathon reality show. Something draws you to a particular couple and you get to pulling for them to win. When that happens, there is no help left. You have walkathonitis. It's fascinating, one of the most thrilling things I have ever watched. You feel like you have to come back and see how they're getting on. After you pick out your favorite, you just can't stay away. Entertainment was another important draw for spectators. Typically vaudeville acts entertained along with dynamic and famous masters of ceremonies. Orchestra and band music provided live music. There was usually a platform at the end of the hall equipped with loud speakers and radio connections. From time to time, one or another of the contestants is called to this platform to sing. Public weddings were a frequent attraction at these events. Couples who selected these venues were given gifts, groceries, and up to $100. Sometimes it was found out that the couples had already been married and did the second ceremony only to get gifts. The vast majority of the contestants were very young. Some were even in their teens. As walkathons became more popular, professional couples started to dominate the events. After a few days, most of those remaining were generally professionals. Who were the professional walkers? Many of them were ex-vaudeville players who had trouble finding engagements and who were out of work. While walking, they would often sing or dance to earn a little change thrown at them from the audience. Walkathons averaged two and a half months long. Contestants often signed an agreement that no prize money was issued if the contestant didn't go more than 1,000 hours. In a contest in Missouri, two couples split the prize money after walking 1,447 hours. For each, that resulted in earning about 15 cents per hour.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to have you meet one of the original couples here in the White City Ballroom Marathon in Chicago that started on August the 30th of last year, Frankie Wagner and Freddy Parsky. How do you feel, Frankie? Oh, I feel pretty tired. Five months, we hope to win. We ain't gonna walk off this floor until they pull us back.
0: Spectators like to see the effects on the walkers. Promoters would advertise, see them drop on the floor. One man was walking around the floor with his wife when he collapsed and broke his jaw. But after it was temporarily set with a wire, he continued. The professionals became used to the patterns to find sleep during the rest stops and then find a few hours of sleep on the floor while being helped up by their partner. Hallucinations were common.
1: Cheryl? Listen to me, Sheriff. Listen to me. They're crawling on me!
0: One man screamed, claiming he saw green snakes and wildcats on the floor. Police rushed into that event and closed it down. One girl had a breakdown, returning to the floor after arrest, and screamed at the top of her lungs Police! Doctor! Mother! She came out of it once her folks came to her. The walkathons had their controversy and were opposed by many groups. Church ministers were opposed to them because they were held on Sundays and were viewed as being immoral. One minister said the walkathon commercializes our youth, is morally and socially degrading, injures the health, and is an unwholesome reflection upon the reputation of the ideals of the community. Movie theaters oppose them because they drew away most of their customers who are more interested in watching reality events. A national reporter called the walkathon the lowest form of athletics or sporting endeavor. Cities use various tactics to try to disrupt these events. Police would watch these events closely. And would at times arrest people for vagrancy they would check out contestants backgrounds and arrest those who had outstanding warrants dragging them from the floor the newspaper of bend oregon editorialized that the walkathon is something that should be outlawed along with other barbarities corruption raised its ugly head in these highly profitable businesses at times winners did not receive their prizes Professional walkers essentially became employees for the promoters and would introduce staged drama into the events that were becoming more show than a contest. Wagering introduced corruption. At one walkathon, an unusual number of walkers were dropping out at early stages of the contest. It was discovered that gangsters had formed a betting pool and had bribed the cook who put sleeping powder in the food of some walkers. They would become so sleepy that they would slide to the floor. In 1938, a professional walkathoner who participated in 35 events did a tell all interview for a newspaper in Maryland. At his first walkathon, he discovered that he was mostly expected to be an actor, and that all the judges, nurses, and trainers were actors, for the sole benefit of the audience. It was all about box office receipts walkers were ordered to take a fall similar to the fixing and boxing to take a dive when spectators were not in the building the rules went away for walkers that were targeted to go the distance if a professional could sing and dance well they were a favorite of the crowd and needed to stay in the game all sorts of legal maneuvers were used to halt these traveling endurance events at salem oregon it was determined that walkathons violated labor laws because women and minors were involved. Also, employers needed to provide employees nine hours of rest between days of work. During an event when contestants were ordered to testify in court, sometimes they continued to walk outside the courtroom and hoped to testify during their 15-minute rest time. An attorney asked the judge, "'Your Honor!' Have you given any authority to turn the courtroom into a walkathon? There are several of the walkathoners walking around out there. At a 1933 walkathon held in Indianapolis, at about the 1800 hour mark, 25 policemen arrived to shut it down because of a new ordinance that had been passed only the day before, restricting endurance events to 12 hours on any given day. The promoter refused to stop the event. The chief of police gave the signal and the police who had been assembled near the front door started down the aisles. Immediately the piano blared the tune of Big Bad Wolf while the master of ceremonies sang. As police neared the dressing rooms where the contestants were taking a 15 minute rest, the tune changed to The Last Roundup.
1: I'm heading for the last roundup.
0: Spectators applauded and yelled. As the crowd quieted down, the master of ceremonies asked, I wonder who is guarding the banks and filling stations? Twenty-eight contestants were hauled off to jail. They were released a few hours later on $200 bond, and the walkathon continued on. But after the promoter met with the judge, the event was shut down. All these bans contributed against any resurgence of ultra-running multi-day fixed-time races. Kansas City passed an ordinance on walkathons or any other type of endurance or speed contests. They imposed limits for all contests to be 12 hours in a 24-hour period. It was estimated that 20,000 people made their living in 1935 in walkathon shows. But the walkathon fad dwindled greatly by 1940 as they became more show business than a contest. Loyal fans detected that the events evolved into farces. They no longer believed in the endurance part since the same contestants won in every show. During World War II, professional walkathoners moved on to new jobs. After the war, there were attempts to revive walkathons and a few were held, but clearly it was an uphill battle against continued fierce opposition. In 1946, they were described as an obscene and degrading spectacle by the Arizona Industrial Commission. In Phoenix, while two walkathons were being held in 1946, a front page article appeared in the Arizona Republic with the headline, Walkathons called frauds. One closes. It was discovered that none of the contestants were walking around the clock. Audiences left by 2 a.m., and spectators weren't allowed back in until around 11 a.m. One outside witness once found all performers asleep as late as 11 a.m. By 1953, walkathons were pretty much gone. Half of the states were enforcing statutes against endurance contests. In other states, many cities barred walkathons with nuisance ordinances. It wasn't until 1963 that attitudes shifted when President John F. Kennedy unintentionally helped the public see that 50 milers were cool and could be participated in by normal people. Despite the damage caused by the original walkathons, a firm rebirth of ultra running occurred during the 1960s and it was allowed to thrive again by the early 1970s. The big difference with ultra marathons for the new modern era was that professionals were few and the everyday runner could enter the sport. With that, this is Davy Crockett and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.